0: Hey, This is Coco Columbia. You're listening to Sounds of PDX.
1: This is Travis from the audio sequence. I'm Vince. Uh, I'm Boyd. This is Josh from adverse
2: effects. I'm Jason Amari. This is Mike Collins from Mets, Ryan and Collins. Hey, this is Logan
1: Lynn and Gina Amari. You're listening to Sounds of PDX.
0: Sounds of PDX.
3: Sounds
1: of PDX on PRP. Happy Tuesday evening and thanks for joining me here on Portland Radio Project. Sounds of PDX is back. I was off last week, but this week I have very special guest studio or stereo RV in studio with me. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you. For you. Us. Uh, I have to give props where props are due. Uh, Mike Berling from PDX Spotlight sent me uh, the human uh, single. I guess it was just the link before the release. And man, I was just blown away immediately by uh, the sound. And, and there is a new pop scene coming up in Portland and I just felt... You guys were exactly what we needed in addition to that scene right now.
4: Well, that's cool. You didn't tell me that, Luke.
1: Well, I'm saving saving all the good stuff for the air, I know, right? Oh, it's
4: true. And thank you th- thank you Mike. Yeah, And
1: Stereo RV is Gabe and Myrick Gleason. Uh, They recently released the Human EP we were just talking about on April 7th. Lots to get into with them. Uh, But most importantly, I want to talk to them in this first hour about their influences, childhood memories. And uh, I wanted to start the the playlist off with a newer track. I'll let you tell me what it means to you. But I just think it's a cool way to start the show. It's uh, All Time Low by John Yes. yes so great opener. We yes. Love him.
4: no everybody for the past two years we've been hearing about JB 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 and yeah. I was like who is this JB and then um, some people were uh, on Facebook were live in his show and I was looking at it and I was like okay and then I finally spotified him after I remembered um, and I was like oh my god like this is that new writing it, yeah. it, his yeah. songwriting is that's what won me.
1: Yeah. It's a culmination of just a ton of genres, which you all have too. Yeah. You know, it's something that you're capitalizing on really well. Um, and if you haven't seen this record cover, it's pretty cool. It looks like a Disney drawing almost. Yeah, it's-, it's a really cool animation. I uh, will stick around. This is Luke Neal on Sounds of PDX. Stereo RV are my special guest. We will be here until 9 p.m. here on Sounds of PDX. <laughs>
2: Was the knight in shining armor in your movie? Would put your lips on mine and love the aftertaste now I'm a ghost, I call your name, you look right through me You're the reason that I just can't concentrate I've been trying to fix my pride, but now you're broken Now you're broken Bye bye lie try to hide but now you know that i'm at an all time no 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 no, 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 Was the prototype like three stacks on that CD? An example of the perfect candidate now. All your girlfriends say that you don't want to see me. You're the reason that I just can't concentrate. I've been trying to fix my pride, but now you're broken. Now you're broken. Lie Lileal lie I tried to hide But now you know That I'm at an all-time <laughs>
1: are listening to portland radio project i'm having a great conversation with gabe and myra from stereo rv um i wanted to dive in and immediately ask you about your first memory with music because i think that's a a pivotal uh thing in everybody's musical progression
4: oh you want me to start yeah, okay this is much longer. <laughs> <laughs> i think i think with music like i um i feel like i'm an extrovert introvert and so when i'm deep inside in, in my thoughts, I would usually just run to my uh, room as a moody teenager and I'd have lots of journal um, entries. And so um, Eminem came out during my time in like sixth grade and I got really into rap music and I really thought that I could rap. So I thought that I would be like the next, like female, the first female, like white rapper. Right. And um, But that didn't happen. Long before Iggy. Uh, long before 80. Do you remember Lady Sovereign? Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, right on. And I was like, dang it, Lady Sovereign took it, but she was dope. And now she's not even in existence. I don't know. Um, so what I used to do, my sister was learning how to play piano and my dad got her a Casio keyboard. And so the Casios came with those built-in drum beats. Oh, and- the bossa
1: nova jam. Everybody
4: likes. <laughs> that was almost my favorite. Oh yeah. Um so that's so funny Um, so I would create these little like within our demos because we had the you know where it it would remember so you could record and I would write raps for my sister and my brother. And when we had family come over about like once a month, I would round them up in our living room, as my mother would call it, the formal living room. <laughs> and uh, I would make them sit down and listen to these raps. And the raps were literally like, I'm Myra Hart, yes, I'm the greatest fart. I mean, literally <laughs> Just awful. the dumbest thing. Trapper
1: it was- keeper lyrics, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Trapper keeper, yes, my dreams.
4: Um, and so that was my first like window into songwriting and um performing and music and it was like eminem and you know like eiffel 65 like Blue da, ba, de, da, mm-hmm. ba, die. i didn't have a very were
1: you into neo soul at the time like flowetry jill scott hip-hop influenced
4: vocal no uh because on the other side of that i was listening to the grateful dead got it and pink floyd and the doobie brothers and the almond brothers and my father explaining why he no longer liked the doobie brothers because they canceled a performance so therefore he <laughs> Yeah, I was raised on all of that. And I'd listen in the car with my dad and he's like, this is music and Eminem is, is not music. And
1: but Trying to convert you to oh, the old of ways. of course,
4: of course. And to this day, Grateful Dead traumatizes me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's my little story. That's where I was first introduced to, to music and, and writing was Eminem and rap songs
3: wow Gabe? how do i follow that yeah
1: i know oh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful cocktail oh,
3: well the first memory i can think of um well the first time apparently i expressed musical liking or talent apparently i was like three or four and my mom got me one of those like cheap fisher price colored pianos that have like eight tones right. and apparently there was music playing or whatever and i was trying like following it on the little fisher price piano But uh, my great-grandfather always played like jazz records and Al Green and Sam Cooke, and I would always just listen to those, and the first instrument I actually picked up was um, Upright Bass.
1: Oh, right on. And
3: so I joined a jazz band, gosh, when I was in middle school, and then I got a guitar like right after, and then in between the interim of Upright Bass and guitar, um, I heard who Bobby McFerrin was, and my mind was just blown away with the vocal manipulation and the tapping, and the more original side of beatboxing, because beatboxing actually originated from African roots and the language and the dialect and the clicking and all that. And so that started me into like, whoa, what is beatboxing? You can make these sounds with your mouth. And then to top the addiction, Police Academy came out and I was <laughs> gifted with Michael Winslow and all yeah, of his yeah. cool little sound effects. And that just kickstarted the addiction. Like I would beatbox nonstop. i get told from my parents, like, shut up, you're not making music. I'm like, you don't understand me, dad, it's music. Like, <laughs> So, uh, it I, is. yeah, I would just escape any any conflict, anything, bad day at school, whatever, just go in my room, close my door, beatbox, play guitar, play upright bass, and just hours upon hours, just digging and practicing.
1: Um It was, I, I can't remember who the artist is, but it was last year around this time. I had some artists in the studio and they brought me some influences and they brought in. Thinking About Your Body by Bobby McFerrin, oh, as yes. you did as well. It's next yeah, on the playlist. Nice. Um, but they said something that was really cool. They said Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry Be Happy was their gateway drug to everything good that he does. Yes. <laughs> I was like, absolutely. That's still a really great yeah. song.
3: People don't think that he wrote it because people automatically think of uh, Bob um, Marley. Bob Marley, sure. Don't Worry Be Happy. And he, Bobby McFerrin's actually the one who wrote it.
4: Oh, yeah. Look at me. I'm happy. Um, You know, when we walked into Tortolandia because it's literally right down the street, you can come stalk us if you want. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was I was telling uh, I was telling you earlier about that was the first place that gave us a gig in Portland was Tortillandia. And so it was like really nostalgic for us to be driving down and wondering, like, where's PRP? (laughs) And I was like, "Oh no, landy is right across the street." And so um, we went. We went in there, and when we walked in there, Bobby McFerrin, "Don't worry, be happy." No way, I'm, seriously, yes, I seriously, yeah, yeah. seriously. He was walking when we walked in there, and I was like, "It's such a mood." I mean, just that simple. He knew. I mean, he just knew the. I don't he knew even, the way
3: to affect you with music. Like, yeah. With it being so simple. and
4: just his yeah. the whole tapping of, and tapping, layering, but yeah. he knows theory.
1: Yeah, and his Bobby
4: McFerrin knows theory. His
1: progressive percussion and the way he can like guide somebody through a song with just his vocal yeah. is, is so much. You know, it's hard to tell a story on stage as a singer songwriter, but much less to do it alone with no instruments is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And there is a recorded version, but I like the live version, so that's what I put on the playlist. Uh, we've been talking about it. This is "Thinking About Your Body" by Bobby McFerrin here on Sounds of PDX
5: oh baby, I'm thinking
0: about your eyes. Yeah. Oh baby, I'm thinking about
1: your face. Oh baby, I'm thinking about your body, yeah, thinking about your face. You me, you make no baby, I'm thinking about your body, you made me Oh baby, I'm thinking about
0: your face, you make me, no baby, I'm thinking about your oh, body, thinking about
1: your yeah, face. Thank morrison here on portland radio project you're listening to us on 99.1 fm or prp.fm if you're joining us on your mobile device or on the web hit us up on the talk board say hello to myself or stereo rv they're my special guests tonight uh, i want to give a big thanks to pdx spotlight for hooking us up with the playlist tonight right now you can see adverse effects and uh that was live at doug Fur from mogo that was a really incredible show and great experience uh coming up soon is arrows in orbit skulldiver and rare monk more great portland bands but back to one of my favorite portland bands and you have been ever since you've been on my radar stereo rv is with me uh before the break gabe was talking about his first instrument and i don't think you said yours myra what was your first instrument other than your voice um well actually do you want
4: to know the real thing i actually didn't think i could sing until i was 19. what no um Literally, <laughs> I, I wanted to be an actress for the longest time. And even though I was writing these corny little like rap songs, I really liked journaling and writing, but I was really into like theater and acting. And I think a lot of people in high school remember me as that girl that was always singing Michael Jackson songs, and people would literally throw quarters at me to get me to shut up. Oh, yeah, I know. I was also the person that would slide around on banana, so <laughs> weird. <laughs> and
1: that really teachers. works. Mm-hmm. No, it, is, tot- it, really it totally
4: does it totally no. does and the teachers come by they're like you're gonna clean that up right and I was like no <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's a reason um, it's in the cartoons
4: it, it's, it's really true up. no it really does work it's slippery you all should try it out there in your high schools <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Can't not. laughs> I'm encouraging her.
4: um so during the time it was I think we were coming up into the second season of American Idol and my sister had progressed in her piano lessons and my dad got her an upright like grand piano, and so um, I started playing that thing, not very well, but Mm -hmm. almost like every day and working on my scales, because my mother was like, I was the one without the voice, you're the one with the voice, but I'm the one who took the lessons. So she would open her mouth, go, E, A, I, uh, you know, and so she was doing all these vocal warm ups with me. And um, I was gonna go audition for American Idol when I was 16, and my dad walks in and he's like, he's like, it just sounds like you're yelling. Hmm. You're not You're not going.
3: So fast forward.
4: So fast forward to um, after high school, I went to a year of college and I said, nope. And I went to, and I moved to Florida. And in Florida, I was working for Universal Studios and I was singing, I was working on like the entertainment part and a girl comes out and she's like, dang girl, you can blow. I was like, what? <laughs> And that was it. A seed was was, planted. uh, That was it. It just took one person to say like, oh, I can. The thing that I I really thought that I could sing, but I didn't even know until somebody outside of my family actually said that I could.
1: Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. You can hear it from some groups of folks. I mean, my, my wife says that all the time. Someone will say something to me and she's like, oh, if only your wife had told you that a while ago. And why do you think that is? Like.
4: I don't know. I think we're, I think sometimes we're so like hard pressed to impress our parents. We want to please them with the choices that we make. And I think I take a lot of their criticism as like, my parents know best. So if my dad says I'm screaming, then I must not be able to sing.
0: Yeah.
4: Mm. You know? So I think it came from there. And then somebody finally coming out who wasn't part of my family, who had never met my family, is just like, you can sing. And I was like, what? Yeah
1: and unsolicited, uh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, that's always the best feeling.
4: Yeah, and so I was just like, okay. And I actually started writing. Like we, I literally just started songwriting, like songwriting.
1: And so for both of you, who were some of your early songwriting influences? Because I think there's a difference between having a musical influence than recognizing songwriters.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, like really, um, when it came to um, like writing, I actually went back and looked at some of the lyrics from Pink Floyd and my dad and I kinda jammed over, you know, um, the brick wall. Or what is what Yeah, is the it? wall. The wall, yeah. Um, jammed over that and I bought him the the double C D, you know, released, you know, the the two the two disc C D pack that came out. Yeah. And we just listened to that for hours. And so, um, I think Pink Floyd and really dissecting, but also, um, like John Mayer, even though I hated his music, mm-hmm. I dissected his lyrics. His
1: early indie stuff, you his, didn't care er, for yeah. His
4: early, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just loved his lyrics. And honestly, Myspace, um, I would look up artists. No, there was an artist called Tyler James, and my first songwriting experience was listening to his song called Humble. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, humble, humble, humble. You know, just something really, but, that was it for me. That that's was a like a
1: great song.
4: That's what songwriting was. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that song Humble? I do.
1: Yeah. I'm really glad you put it on the playlist. And uh, it's one of those songs that it's the pinnacle of a pop song or a, or a, an anthemic song is a crowd can sing along by mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. what it's all about.
4: Yeah. 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 That was that he was and I, gosh, I was 18, 19 when when I learned about. Tyler and on MySpace and I was I was done. I was like I'm your fan. I'm your biggest songwriting <laughs> fan. I loved everything and now he's in a duo called Escondido.
5: Oh wow, yeah, That's really cool. And I
4: don't like his music. Anymore. <laughs> 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 I loved his early stuff, but I don't like the stuff now. But you know changes.
1: Hey, yeah, everybody has art they can contribute yeah. to, to our stories. Exactly, Gabe, how about, how about you? What are some songwriters you look to? Oh, man, um, when it comes to our songwriting,
3: Meyer um, does most of the lyrics, 90% of it. I'll give a couple, you know, words here and there and feel like I wrote a whole song, but um, <laughs> I do mainly the all the instrumentation and the melody. Um, I a lot of jazz, anything instrumental. Um, I, one of my favorite songs is Led Zeppelin Over the Hills and Far Away. Mm-hmm. Just the acoustic guitar in that is just so good. So I'm a big finger uh, picker with my guitar. Um, Andy McKee, uh, Carlos Santana. That's how it
4: usually happens is, I'm I'm literally just like on my guitar, just messing around. And then she'll be like, ooh, ooh, I like that,
1: stop. Yeah. You know, the because, benefit of being married and living together. You can yeah. hear the noodling. And yeah. yeah. And
4: so I was just like, stop. And I said, like, click it, you know, and like, let's like, now let's look at verses or looks at chorus and he'll start doing this. Well, well, well like, yeah. no, no,
3: no, You'll have me play like the same two chords for like three hours.
4: Okay. I'm like, can we just start at the chorus? Yeah, no, we have to go back to the
3: beginning. Like, I
4: have to see. <laughs> it's very it. annoying. No, when we were in the, when we were, when we were getting this project done, it was, I know it's annoying for our producers to be like, no, like I'm not going all the way back. And I said, but I need it for my own creativity yeah. I need to hear it from the start to where we are and it sucks for most people but <laughs> I can't help the way sometimes I work I know that I can improve but you know it's
1: yeah, good enough
4: Oh. Well Thanksgiving.
1: Well let me You're tell welcome. you, it's it's working. So whatever the process is, <laughs>
4: keep that Lots of arguing and well you never let me have a voice. I do. I just And then we take good.
3: coffee, come back and we're we're good again. Yeah, yeah, or
4: he gives me food and I'm less hangry and less angry. <laughs> and hashtag
1: truth. Hangry <laughs> is one of my favorite words. I know. Uh, well next on the playlist we're gonna turn back to that. Uh who brought in Aretha Franklin? That was me. Yeah, this is respect. I mean it's
4: That was no Aretha Franklin like when you talk about Blues Brother it was my first introduction, like yes. my father and I would religiously yes. watch that movie. When it was coming on, we would tape it too, like on the TV and make sure that we stopped it before the commercials came on. Of course. Um, but no, Aretha Franklin, like my dad talked about her. She. Ta- he also talked about Tina Turner and he said, I mean, those were like some big musical influences for me. So Aretha Franklin was the first song that I thought that I could actually sing pretty well in a gospel voice. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: I love it. yeah, she's tried and true. A gospel musician, blues, groundbreaker, studio musician who just has so much more work that hasn't been released from all these sessions that yeah. people don't know about. I mean, this an endless array of honors for Aretha Franklin. Always proud to play her here on Portland Radio Project. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. We will be back more with Stereo RV. Support comes from listeners like you and from Vortex Music Magazine, helping the Portland music scene tell its own story, both in print and online. You can find free issues of Vortex in stores or read about the local music scene online at vrtxmag.com take a quick break and thank Vortex Music Magazine for every week they give me the shows of the week and we've got three really great ones coming up. Uh, tomorrow night, 9 p.m. at the liquor store, there's Skull Diver, Don't, and the band Virgil. Uh, Thursday, May 11th at the Ash Street is Heavy Hustle. Charlie McGowan from Pseudo Boss. that's his uh, second endeavor. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. And then uh, Friday, May 12th at the Fremont Theater is Human Ottoman, Kalululu, and Arbor on Plain. And they have a couple new videos that they just release so check them out we will put that online one last mention the eighth annual portland prom with just people is on saturday may 27th at 8 p.m at the star theater we're gonna go back to our pdx spotlight playlist and another influence from stereo rv this is natasha beddingfield
6: up the dirt.
1: Settingfield's voice, like, I know that song at the time got played a lot and it deserves that, but her I would love to hear the isolated vocal on that recording.
4: I can't provide that for you. <laughs> I got a guy who'll
3: give you a good deal. <laughs> at me.
1: Black market. Yeah. Uh, do yeah. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. This is Luke Neal. I'm here with Stereo RV tonight. Gabe and Myra have been hanging out and sharing a bunch of great stories with us. Uh, and of course their influences. In the second hour we're going to be playing all of their uh, latest EP. Not in order because I wanted to save uh, human for the last. We're also going to have some live performances. Uh, we're going to see how that fizzles down in the second hour. And that kind of is a nice little segue to, uh, Gabe, I would like to talk to you about beatboxing, how you got into it specifically and the dynamic it adds to your live performance. Because again, that was something that Mike Burling was uh, really taken aback by.
3: Oh gosh. Where do I start? Uh, beatboxing has been a battle of addiction for about 13 years. Um, I got into it. I, I after I had done my guitar and my bass. I, like I said, I, I found out who Bobby McFerrin was and just, just what, what he does with his voice and how he's able to do three tones and, and tap and add a fourth element. I really tried to start you know doing what he did. And um, I would listen to just a lot of instrumentals, a lot of drums. I've always loved beats. I've always loved low tones. And so I would just listen to a drum and try and make that sound and just listen on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And then Police Academy came out, Michael Winslow added, just blew my brain. I, I I'd gotten the beats down, I'm like, you can do that with your mouth? Like, you can go
5: mm-hmm.
3: Like, with your voice, I was like, how do you do that? And it's just been years of You practicing. asked him personally? I, I did, did yes, you- <laughs> I, yes, I sent Mr. a carrier pigeon. I'm
4: like, Mr. <laughs> Winslow.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then he responded with, you know, like a <laughs> Like, something like that, you know. How beatboxers talk to each other. voice memos, yeah. back and forth. Yeah, and so it's 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 been an amazing journey. It's been hard, there's been some things, that, You can ask Myra when I'm learning a new sound. That's all I do. I don't talk. It's literally nonstop, like 24 hours a day, trying to do it.
4: I've never Uh, contemplated murder before (laughs) until he starts doing it.
3: I don't blame her. There's one that's called lip rolls. They're like, (laughs) like that. I was doing that all the time. My lip had swollen because I was doing it so much. Black and blue. No way. Serious. And now I'll literally do it one time and she'll be like, (laughs) stop it.
4: No, because he, he thinks he lip rolls and he thinks, or I just he, do it all or the he, time. or yeah. he's like clicking in the car, or he's just tapping things, and I'm just like, oh my god, my anxiety is at an all time high.
1: That's also marriage, though. I saw a really funny thing on social media the other day. They said I didn't realize how much of married of uh, of marriage life would be hearing someone else clear their throat.
3: No, oh. <laughs> totally or funny. like if they cluck. Oh my like, god, I'm, I'm a clucker what? at like, night,
4: like,
1: like clucking,
3: like when going to bed or randomly.
4: Like yeah. my my mother used to cluck at night and then Gabe clucks at night. It's just the clucking, <laughs> like a chicken.
1: You're meant to be around it.
4: No, and I don't know and what like it is. In like 10
3: years, she's going to have PTSD. Like, no, don't hit that drum. No, don't hit that drum. <laughs> and so then after I started to get the basics, my big thing is I've, there's a lot of beatboxes out there who can make crazy sounds, but when they get down to the basics, they lack. My goal at a performance is I want people to question if i have a beat looping if there's a drum kit and that's what we get at our shows a lot of times people will be peering around the corner they're like you know, is there a drum back there? Are you? Do you well, have a beat? Yeah, one looping? guy literally
4: walked up right in front of us for performing a, performing a song. Um, I think it's was a Salem show. He walks right up and he's looking just down at our feet, and it was really awkward. And then he just walks off.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was like, he was looking no. for a sequencer. Or yeah. something.
3: He
4: was yeah. looking for something. I think yeah. he was so taken aback by it. And then I saw him get out his phone, and I think he was doing something like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this guy, these guys do not have drums."
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, And
3: so I spent majority of the time, probably the good ten years, really refining the basics and I can trick people's ears with, you know, just simple drum sounds. And then when YouTube came out and started to get really popular, like then I mean, you could I could type in drum beats for one hour and it would have just all these drum beats and then EDM scene got big, dubstep came in, and so I started learning a lot of electronic stuff and It's. so I'm always learning something more, always annoying my wife more and more, one day at a time.
1: (laughs) But hey, if it pays off, right? I I guess it pays off.
4: Only if he's paying me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fool, you got all the money,
4: what you talking about? (laughs) Gimme your $20.
1: Back on the the record, right? Uh, Speaking of which, I want to talk to you about the formation of the band. Uh, We were talking a little bit off the air, but talk to us about how that came to be and kind of some of the original work that you uh, put together.
3: We actually met, what, six years ago now?
4: 2011, Yeah. June 18th, 2011. She's much better but with who dates. But remembers?
3: You do, you remind me every day. <laughs> we met at a teen singing competition. She was performing while the judges were tallying votes.
4: It was a teenage singing competition. Yeah, I just uh,
3: covered that deaf one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. It's and, delay effect. And so, yeah, sure, we'll go with that, delay. <laughs> so and uh for whatever reason I was tasked with doing security while they were counting votes because it's such a high profile event I guess and she started seeing and I was automatically just drawn to her. I'm like, "Whoa, who is this?" And so I went it's and me, saw myrio. <laughs> It's me. My <myrio. laughs> So I went and saw her before him, and I was just blown away and then at the after party I was making a fool of myself and Myra can take the story from here because she likes to embarrass me.
4: I don't Yes. It was the after party and he was beatboxing because I wanted to see what some of his beatboxing looked like. And so sure. all these young girls are circling him and I'm sitting there and he's beatboxing. I was like, That's really cool. I would love to use him on a record because before we were Stere RV, the Gleasons, we were solo artists. Yeah. So I was in the studio at the time working on my solo project and Gabe. Um, did this cool beatbox and I was like, I could totally use that in one of my songs. And um, after the after party, we were cleaning up and he's walking behind me singing Bruno Mars. Your eyes, your eyes. (sighs) Oh gosh.
5: (laughs) And and he's like,
4: can you help me get a girlfriend at my school? Cause the funny part about Gabe and I is that I am a cougar (sighs) and I'm timeless. So if you put those two things together, I'm just really old. I'm totally kidding. Yeah, you're so old, oh my gosh. But Gabe was still in high school when we met, so it was very much like I'm not touching that and he's not touching this and we're gonna just work on music. Is that weird? Yes, oh my God, I don't think I could tell my mother. I was like, Mom, hey, look, I'm dating this guy in high school. <laughs> oh, my God, Mother, Myra, what are you thinking?
3: Like, no, no joke. At our wedding, um, her mom went and came up and gave a wedding speech. And in it, she literally said, oh, yeah, back, you know, Mari used to pick Gabe up from school, and then they'd go to the studio. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, so
1: embarrassing. Like, she was not my nanny. Yeah. Or babysitter, no, no. Like, let's clarify. Yeah, we're talking we started, a few years. Yeah,
3: we started out things uh, very professional, just, just working on each other's music. And then we started... Hanging out more, playing more. And then- We wrote
4: our first song actually. Yeah, we wrote our
3: first song in the ground of my living room after Myra had her first cup of coffee ever in her life. yeah I, I heard you all gasp on the air, yes, <laughs> well,
4: you know, Especially cigarettes and Portland. coffee was what I was raised on, so you know didn't want it um, but we wrote our first uh our first song on the floor there, and we started performing that. Yeah. We did like a little what was it Salem's Got Talent?
3: Oh, it was awful. We were <laughs> under the name one sound. sound at the time.
4: we did Salem's Got Talent with that song and made it all the way to like Fourth place. Oh wow! <laughs> well, it was the time when you know Taylor Swift was still doing the country stuff, and all the girls wanted to be Taylor Swift. So all the young I girls see. won, and I was like, "It's rigged!" Yeah, yeah. And so they gave us cereal, actually, from Trader Joe's as a cereal. Cereal, yeah,
1: cereal is our prize for fourth. as our
4: prize for just being runner-up. They gave us cereal. Now, hey, some cereal.
1: Wow, that's really odd. Yeah, <laughs> so I left it self. on the
4: stage, and I was like. I'm better than these cocoa puffs.
1: <laughs> they weren't even cocoa puffs. They was
4: something. It was just something like before the whole organic food market had there taken over. It was like mama
3: feed with oats and almonds. <laughs> like, <laughs> disgusting
4: That's cereal. <laughs> well,
1: note to self: don't uh, don't go to music competition in Salem. Uh, before we get back to the playlist, So uh, why we don't
4: have any anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, Mike Berlin from PDX Spotlight said, "Gabe is a beatbox master."
4: Wow. That's, hey, thanks uh, for listening, Mike.
1: High praise, yeah. Wow. Thanks for tuning in, Mike. Uh, next on the playlist here, the PDX Spotlight playlist is "Waiting on the World to Change" by John Mayer, and I know the Continuum record is really important to you both. Let's talk about that.
4: Um. Well, yeah, John John Mayer. I was never really truly in love with his his new stuff. Like in high school, all the girls were like, "Oh my God, John Mayer!" And I was like, like "Your
3: body's oh, in That time area. Oh yeah.
4: Um. But Continuum Blue changed, our minds. I mean, I don't know if that record like was just what I needed when I needed it, yeah. but that's by far, I still think, even when, I know his new one just came out, but that one's by far, I, I believe, the best album he has ever written.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think front to back, it's, it's definitely one of the best, and warranted all the Grammy nods and awards that he got. Um, whether you love him or hate him, this Continuum album should be in your collection. Uh, this is Waiting on the World to Change by John Mayer, here on Sounds of PDX. Project is a nonprofit, independent radio station where we play a local artist every 15 minutes. We would like to thank our supporters who share our passion for local music and the community. Portland Center Stage. PCS inspires our communities by bringing stories to life in unexpected ways. Bill R. McCracken. Accounting, tax, and financial services. Premier Motorsports of Vancouver. Special thanks to Rick Johnson and his staff. we want to give a shout out to our supporters they make what we do here possible and speaking of which i want to uh put this on your calendar save the date uh sunday may 21st we have a prp pop-up music festival and fundraiser right here we're gonna have six local bands your food and beverage with admission will be included $10 $10 early tickets, $15 day of uh, this is to help us keep local music on the radio. And uh, I think that's important so we can share with the masses, great bands like my guest tonight, Stereo RV, thanks again for joining me, Gabe and Myra. Um, we were talking before the break there about the formation of the band. And I think, you know, Gabe, you said you you work on the lyrics and you're, you're bringing melodies and, and uh, music. Well, I work and, on the lyrics I'm and so he sorry. works yeah. on
4: the melodies, yeah.
1: yeah. So where are, the inspiration for your lyrics coming from cuz i think well, you fans re- need to know that well
4: it's really funny about that john mayer song um when that came out and like i said that like album changed my life um that song wait on the world to change was my first introduction to what positive um songwriting was like inspirational songwriting and John used like the, the you know the words about and they weren't attacking anybody. It was about how you know we're all sitting around waiting on the world to change, yet we all have these big great plans, but we don't know what to do. And that was before I even started working with kids who are in the foster care system here in Oregon. Because um, my day job is um, we contract through DHS through, through my agency called CCPC. I don't own it; I just call it because that's that's what it's called, um, CCPC. And um, we have, we're a foster care agency. We place kids in homes with our foster parents and we also provide um, skills training. And skills training is about taking a child who's been in trauma. They're coming down from um, a high level of treatment, like a lockdown facility. And they come into our, our, we're like a middle ground. So we're like a mid-level treatment program. And we take these kids out into uh, the community and we work on their anger management and we work on helping them transition into um, a home and what what family looks like and why it's important to build strong relationships, healthy relationships. And so um, I've been working uh, for, well, for CCPC for about eight years now mm. and before Gabe and I would write you know the little love songs because we were going through those motions of falling in love and we were getting married and things like that and so um, when it came time for this project um, I wanted to our communities are so uneducated about the silent crisis that's behind our our doors you know and we if we're going to be talking about mental health and mental health being out there and people saying it's okay to have mental health and it is okay, you know, mm-hmm. to be honest and transparent about what you're struggling with, I think it's um, there's a vulnerability in that. But let's get down to the other part of it: is that a lot of our mental health um, individuals have experienced foster care or in foster care or going through some sort of that. And I'm not saying that's, that that's the whole percentage because mm-hmm. there's a lot of mental health in different forms and different levels, but.
1: Do they I, find that folks, kids who are in the foster care system, lean towards mental health issues later?
4: We do because other, we do have clients that come from, um, they their parents abuse their bodies when they were pregnant. So we have fetal alcohol poisoning. We have a lot of those. And what's really crazy is that children born addicted to drugs is risen 323% since 2012.
1: Wow. 323%. That's incredible. Our drug
4: culture is out of control. Yeah. Yeah. We glorify drugs, you Mm -hmm. know, and I was watching this um, social experiment video where this, This guy he he plays homeless and he sits down on the side of the street and he asks people in his sign says need I money just for drugs. need money yeah. for drugs and alcohol and people are walking by yo man stay high stay high oh no. on, but on. when he puts out a sign like I'm a single dad homeless need- this is my family with a daughter down um on his on his lap a homeless lady comes up to him and says you need this more than I do but she I was mean- the first person because everybody walked by wow that's. That, this is where we're at because I think the reality that we could, that our society could be doing this and it kind of throwing it underneath the rug. Like when you when you look at media, we glorify drug use. Like weed, 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 drugs, 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 you know? And um, a lot of these kids are coming from those families where the police came in and raided their home and then they were taken by DHS. And so the kids blame DHS for ruining their lives, let me have my family back. Sure. And I talked to them, I said, Well, one I one kiddo I just had to be really direct. I said, if your parents were responsible enough to take care of you, you would be in their care right now. And I said, I know you blame DHS. I know you probably blame me because I'm, you know, quote unquote paid to work for you. Um, I said, but you're let's we let's where are we placing our blame? You know? Um here DHS is is we have caseworkers who are overloaded they're, they're working 80 plus hours a week taking care of children that are not even theirs mm. because nobody wants to take care of them
1: mm-hmm. what's the best if someone wants to know more about this and i think it's important to bring up that may is a national foster uh, Foster Care Awareness Month. If someone wants to know more about this and look for resources, who are some of the organizations they can look into? And I'll put those links on our talk board.
4: Well, one of the cool things that we did with our AP release, um, Human Been Out for about a month now, is we partnered with um, uh, an agency called Every Child and Embrace Oregon. Because since 2011, we, Oregon has lost 500 beds and nine programs. We are keeping children in uh, the juvenile mm-hmm. system much longer than they should be. Yeah. So we're institutionalizing children right now.
3: Just because we don't have a home for them for shelter. Yeah, because yeah, we yeah. don't have yeah. we, we
4: literally don't have placement, and so every child it's it's um it was created by foster parents. Um, is every child it's a volunteer program, and what they do is they have people volunteers come in and they sit with these children, and. They're finding, And they're getting more, more, um, more people applying to be foster parents based on these interactions that they're having with the youth. And this youth could be, he could have gotten just like kicked out of a foster care placement. The foster home can no longer take them. They're entering in foster care. And so what was happening is this child was being told, no, 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 you're not wanted. No, we don't have a home for you. No, this person just said no. And so when you have that, you know that's that's a lot of rejection, that's sure. a lot of harbored anger, mm-hmm. and that's like if their parents didn't want them, why would anybody else want them
5: mm-hmm.
4: and it, when we're when we ourselves the ones that come from nurtured homes, even we look for love and we try and find that love and so when we're trying to explain love or this is how you love someone this is this is appropriate love. How can you teach that if they've never had it?
1: Sure, yeah. you know yeah.
4: So um, what every child does is they come and they sit down with the kids and they and embrace Oregon. What they do is they bring coloring books and boxes and they give it to the child and we personalize that this was made for you so that they're entertained, they're doing stuff and knowing that somebody made them a box Mm -hmm. and they cost like $20 and you can literally go and take it to your DHS office. And I would say for our community to start embracing our local DHS offices and saying you can go in there literally into the office of whatever local one you're with. I know there's one in Gresham. There's one right down here on Powell. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you can hand them a box. It has coloring books. Maybe it has like a bag of Cheetos in there. It has stuff that'll keep the mind busy mm-hmm. while they're not being told, no, you're not wanted. No, you're not welcome.
1: That's good to know we can take care packages. That's really cool.
4: Yeah. Yes, yes. And you can also volunteer to sit with these kids because once we take the label of foster child, you know, because that label is like, you're a bad kid. You know, that's how we view it. Sure. But what we're doing is we're saying that they're a bad kid based on the cards that they've been dealt, yeah. their circumstances, mm-hmm. and so once we take away that veil, we can actually start to see that that's a person that actually is just really needing to be cared for and wanting to be cared for.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. I know it's uh, it's a dynamic topic that is unfortunately full of a bunch of emotion and it's, it's long reaching. I think everybody, if you're on the planet for long enough, you'll be impacted by it. I have a sister and a brother who both adopted two kids out of foster care, one uh, Carol, adopted her two girls in 2004. My brother just got his two kids last fall and it's just an amazing service that they provide. You know, it's they just always said, we're so lucky that they came from a great foster care home. And um, yeah, it's, we're gonna put that information on the talk board for sure. Uh, getting back to the playlist before we hop into your EP in the second hour, um, talk to me about the song Coloring by Kevin Garrett.
4: Okay, so Kevin Garrett is a new a new music, like artist that I've been really into. Um, before even like booking like this last tour that we just got back from on Saturday, um, um, I think our friend Ray De Silva was uh, over at Mississippi Studios and he was like living. And I saw on his story and I said, "Who is that?" And um, and he said, "It's Kevin Garrett." And so I literally spent. My schedule has been: I'll go to work anywhere between like 11 and 6 p.m., depending on what clients I have for the day, and then um, I'm at Starbucks from like 6 to 10, 6 to 11, and I sit there and I'm working on touring and I'm working on meeting and I'm working on building relationships. And so, um, you know, the statistic is: you know, if you if you whatever you do after your day job, you know, for your dreams, that's that's where you um that's that's where all the what am I trying to Creativity say? Creativity
1: comes from? No, it's progress.
4: just, that's, that's that's your goal making, yeah, that's you know? That's who
1: you are, that's who, yeah, who yeah, you're trying to become. Yeah, sure. exactly,
4: yeah. and so you have to give as much time to your full time as you do, you know, mm-hmm. to your regular job. And so, um, looking for new music um, on Spotify, and remembering Kevin Garrett, song coloring came, and I was listening to all his South by Southwest stuff, I was listening to his YouTube, and coloring, when we talk about songwriting, the creative way, like, there's no coloring um, around this. Anymore. You either know or you don't. Um, how are those lyrics go? But he's just talking about like coloring within the lines of who we are, coloring within the lines of our relationships. And you either know or you don't. And it's so true when you look at, when you're coloring, it's just like you're either going to be in the line or you're going to be out of the line. And if you're in the line, it's a pretty picture. If you're out of the line, well, you got some work to do.
1: It's a great lyricist because that's something everyone can relate to. Yeah.
4: yeah. And so I was just listening to that. And um, I'm a fan of Kevin Garrett and, he wrote lemonade for Beyonce.
5: Yeah. It's <laughs> a nice resume. <laughs>
4: yeah, builder. exactly. And I was <sighs> like, oh, so you're not just trying on the up and up. You're actually just working with Beyonce. That's great. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good person to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, thanks again for joining us tonight here on Portland Radio Project. We are listening to an in depth interview with Stereo RV. I'm your host, Luke Neal. And this is another one of their influences. This is uh, coloring by Kevin Garrett here on PRP. Bascaro here on Portland Radio Project he shared the stage with Stereo RV my special guest at their uh, EP release and that was back in April right?
4: Say back then as if it was years ago. <laughs> it
1: feels like it, right? Back it was four April. weeks back ago. Yes. Let's
4: not make it old. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did. We did. Uh, Bo's a cool, cool person. And uh, if you're listening to this, Bo, uh, we got mad respect for you, bro. We love
1: you, Bo. Yeah, man. Loving the EP. Very good stuff. Um, make sure to reach out to us here at PRP because we are playing one of your singles and I would love to have you on the show. Uh, we were talking in the last um, segment there about maybe being foster care awareness month. I also wanted to talk to you guys about your relationship with noise trade and what you did with them.
4: Oh yeah. So noise trade is a really cool avenue where you can, um, you basically give your mu- your music away for free. And so, when we were looking at, I mean, nobody buys music anyway. I mean, you've got Spotify, you've got Pandora, you know, people can download from YouTube. I know, I, when I came back to work today, the kid was so happy to see me. He's like, I downloaded your music. I go, you bought my music? He's like, no, from YouTube. And I was like, ah. Oh. I was like, well, you can have it. Oh my but you don't kid. get a CD now. Um, so, when we look at music, music is not, it's not valued. Anymore, and we spend thousands of dollars in the studio to make something and to put it out in this world, and all the money for merchandise and all the money for touring, and for somebody to um, download it for free. I mean, that's that's where we're at right now. You know, like art is not it's not valuable. You know, and granted, art is subjective, but it's not valuable. Yeah. So. When it comes to um, freebies, uh, what Noise Trade will do is they will say, hey, here's Stereo RV's album. Their suggested tip is $6. Uh, For us, it's a pay what you feel it's worth Um, and it's exchange for an email address so that we can build up our email list that you guys are knowing directly where we're going, when we're coming, new stuff all the time, because unfortunately, social media, it's all algorithms and, you know, half the stuff you post, nobody sees unless you pay for it, Yeah, you know? And so that's 30 to 40, depending on how big your budget is. If it's $10, you know, 400 out of your not even that i think 150 out of your 1000 followers you know will even see that yeah. so um so we decided to partner with noise trade and make our music free
1: it's a great idea
4: free so it's out there it's it's for you you don't have to leave the tip but we would love to stay in contact with you through an email address and um i think you guys are going to dig the tunes so,
1: yeah. yeah, I like anyone who listens to the show knows I've been playing uh, human, um, ever since Mike, I, I, have got to figure it figure. out. I, th- I saw the email, I think it was January, February, but, um, yeah, I mean, your, your record is worth the download and worth the purchase. Um, is there anywhere locally like music millennium that can pick up a physical copy?
4: Um, we're working on getting um, a physical copy to Music Millennium right and we're on. also working on just getting it into the little uh, local stores um, because our budget was kind of slammed um, with everything that's going on and <laughs> you know you you, know, you got you have to pay for people to hear it so I mean I tell this to other people it's like we spent $15,000 on music last year that's a down payment on a house right That's a down payment on a house
3: and that's not even what we we should have paid
4: You know? I see what you're saying,
1: yeah. Yeah. Even with favors and friends. And all
4: of that, you know? And so (laughs) um what was the question? I forgot it. Uh, we were oh in, getting into music stores yeah i couldn't we could only we can only afford like 100 cds at a time and even that's like 200 and then the vinyl is like two thousand dollars so we so really want to get i know it totally is and a lot of people don't know that um and so we have just a little bit so us putting like our cds or giving them away you know putting them there and being like hey they're a dollar if people want to you know or either five dollars and you can keep all that you know just to get it out there it's um We haven't done that yet because we don't have the supply.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, there's so many creative ways. I remember, uh, I think it was King of Limbs Radiohead released for free. Did the same thing. Mm -hmm. Pay what you want. Um, Mm -hmm. They have a little bit further reach than we all do here in Portland. Uh, That's really cool. So Noise Trade, if you want to check them out, I'll put that information up on the talk board as well. So we are in the second hour here. Near the end of the show, we're going to be talking about the EP. Um, But I want to talk to you about the tour you're fresh back off a tour we are can you share with us any stories or uh, good memories from that it was really fun to watch via social media
4: you did of course yeah. oh thank you um yeah so the tour the tour started off in Portland with a release show and then we went down to Salem and I think I think as an artist you hope and you pray that your fan base or that people are going to come out and see you yeah. um yeah but you really can't put all of your eggs in a basket and say like, yeah, so I can get all these people. It's
3: hard, man, even with like well-known national people that come through, people are like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna come to the show. And then people are like, oh sorry, I was busy hiking and and making wheatgrass juice and I decided <laughs> well, to watch Netflix. I'm
4: I <laughs> Portland, yeah. Um, I just don't uh, think there's a lot of integrity with people when they say that they're gonna do something yeah. or they say that they're gonna be there, yeah. they're there i think we're always waiting for a different plan a
1: better,
4: a better plan, plan yeah. you know like if i have plans with you but shelly's like oh my god let's go to jones and party i'm like yeah. oh my god but i was gonna watch like and play scrabble with luke <laughs> you know
3: sorry, Luke, my dog's not feeling well don't look at my <laughs> social media feed yeah
1: Jones. <laughs> and i'm at home yeah. spelling disappointment i
4: know i know <laughs> and i mean that's just it and so we can go points. we can do as you know we can Pay for all the publicity, but at the end of the day, is anybody going to come out? Sure. You know, nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. And so it was actually a nice little surprise to see, like, our Portland fan base. You know, we didn't we didn't sell out the Secret Society, no, but there was a really good handful of people there from all three of the bands that were playing. And so I was like, okay, that's cool.
3: (laughs) And then we had the Salem show, and and Salem,
4: and people were showing up at seven, and tables were packed. It was sold out,
3: standing room only. Where did you play, Volcanic?
4: No, no, uh, no, we played you know I mean? um, 1859 Cider Co. Okay, right on. Uh, Yeah, awesome. and so um, it was, well, it wasn't sold out because we did $10 suggested well, donations. I mean, like, we couldn't get
1: more people in there. Okay, yeah, you, were ca- was, you were capped it. It was yeah.
4: packed. Yeah. It was so packed, and um, that was, I was talking to people, and I was just like, hey, I see you're sitting in the front row, house show style, and she's like, yeah, we saw you at Vagabond Brewing like all those years ago, and I was like, what?
3: Oh,
0: wow. So
4: pe- you know, is I'm just reminded that people are listening and people care. And um, I think that was like the main theme that was going on with our tour is that we're just so humbled once again by people, people wanting to help you and saying like, you guys have affected me in this way that um, I've got a floor you can sleep on, or I've yeah. got a bed that you can sleep on. Yeah, that's a and big
1: th- deal. Yeah, yeah that,
3: that makes a huge difference to us on tour. The fact that someone is just so kind and so willing to be like, no, you're not sleeping in a rest stop. Like, I have a bed or I have a couch. Like, come to my place. That, that, that makes a huge yeah. impact. Yes. On us. I mean, and
4: we had a couple people just who were just like, where are you guys staying? I was like, oh, in a rest stop. And they're just like, come to our house. And when yeah. you're back in and I was like, well, would you like to host a house show, you know, sometime in the fall or something like that? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Yes, oh my God, Shelley, we could totally co-host this. <laughs> I mean, you just find people that you bring up these options. And I think, I think my most favorite show, we had some amazing house shows and I love house oh shows. Gosh,
1: yeah. yeah, they're great. Um,
4: We had two really standout house shows. One was in Winters, California, oh. overlooking just meadows and just people there just, Ready to listen, but also um, our house show in Omaha. Um, Our host, I met her at a brewery in Eagle, Colorado on our last tour that we did in fall. We were gone for two months doing tour and she loved it. And she was like, I was just drawn to you guys.
3: Mm.
4: And I said, would you like to host a house show? And she's like, yeah, I have a house. Yeah, it it was just like that. Was
3: in Omaha, Nebraska. You know, and then you're
4: just like, so you put them down. You say how show and cap letters and um, come come to come to turn out. You know, she was serious, and we booked it, and um, nobody showed up at the time. It was empty at seven, which is when it was supposed to start, and then nobody was there by eight. And she's like, I am so sorry, you guys, but everybody started coming at like 830 people came in and she and had a pa-
3: pouring in.
4: packed
1: house oh yeah. my gosh how cool
3: and well, actually sorry to cut you off that was the first time we did a completely unplugged house show no pa nothing, no oh. nothing. completely unplugged completely unplugged that was our first time
4: yeah no pressure no pressure yeah it, we did a completely unplugged with um such a cool yeah just everybody listening and wanting to mm. hear your stories and wanting to engage with you and people then
3: singing the sing-along song yeah Ooh. and you see
4: people come in and at first they're like oh are you the band you know because a lot of the with house shows people come to them because they're supporting their person the person that they know mm. and some of them may check it out some may not and so you see a lot of apprehensive people and they're all standing in the back yeah And by the second set, they're all forward, they're all sitting on the floor in front of you. They're laughing, they're engaging, and they're finally getting comfortable and being like, wow, you just made me feel something. And and the goal is to make sure that people are leaving better than when they came in.
1: Mm-hmm. Feeling connected. That's why we do what we do with music. Because I, I think it's the great connector. I mean, we mm-hmm. all, we talked about it. You know, it's the frequency we're all born with. That's mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the coolest thing about live experiences. And, and over the last 10 years or so, this, this movement towards house shows, I think, not only creates that... Um, Atmosphere that's ripe for connection, but it also brings an intention for the listeners, which I'm sure you experienced. Where you go on a house show, you're not going to be as distracted as you are at some bar. No, you know, it's true. House. Like yeah. it's yeah. all,
4: it's all. You know, the chairs are forward or the pillows are forward mm. and the attention's on you. And when
3: people know that coming and they know that it's more of a listening room, that they're here to mm. listen to the music and experience it versus a brewery or a bar. But a lot sure. of people
4: haven't, like we, we used to love doing brewery gigs, but man, they've become really soul sucking because there's just, I love, I love explaining like our heart behind the songs. And I know that not a lot of people care about what you have to say. And so um, back in the day, that was okay to just say, hey, this is human, or hey, this is young love, we used to be in love. No, <laughs> yeah. um, and I performed these songs and they would see us from that. And I think, you know, there's a season for everything. And I think during that was like our season was doing breweries and developing our fan bases. And you know, because you wanna see if you can make it and brewery sometimes can guarantee you a couple of bucks.
5: Sure. You yeah. know,
4: and so um, with house shows, nothing's guaranteed unless you make a guarantee, but you know, you never want to force somebody out because they don't have the money. When, You know, you never want to say no to somebody because they don't have cash. When, yeah. when they may not have cash at the time, but maybe a year, yeah. and next year, they might have 20 bucks yeah. and then they're gonna come see you on the road and they're gonna say, you made a difference. Or mm. I remember one of the best shows that I went to was yours when it was just a bunch of our friends sitting around in a room.
1: Hmm. Mm. That's a beautiful message and it's uh, coincidentally the title of our next song, Stay Humble. Tyler, Tyler James because that's what it takes yeah we talked about him earlier yes. uh, is there anything else you want to say about Tyler? no
4: I just I haven't heard the song in forever please play
1: yeah everyone out there please enjoy hit us up on the talk board on PRP.FM let us know what we think of Tyler James this is Stay Humble here on Sounds of PDX Stay humble. I don't think I could, I listened to that song like three or four times today, building this playlist and just hanging out and I will never get sick of it. It's such a good. Oh, it's so good. It's good. Yeah, those strings are nice and simple. I mean, he could have gone with a nice big string section, but
4: I think that's why I, I think that's why I like it so much. And I I was telling you like that was the, that was the song that got me really into writing uh, on a piano standpoint. Like I was just like, if Tyler James can do it, I can do it. Hmm. You know, so that's where, literally that's where it started and then musical theater. And then I was going to audition for Enchanted Forest to do one of their plays, um, for the summer program. And, uh, she sent me like sight reading stuff like, Oh, like that I had to learn. Like, and I was like, I've never been trained to sight read. yeah, And so I went to the woman, um, I was doing a bye-bye birdie at Chemeketa Community College when I was in high school. And, uh. I said, can you play this? And I just watched your hands. And from there, I was like, okay, I can do this.
1: Look at you, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah,
4: but I won't play it during a show. It's, I, I feel like I'm looking at keys more than I'm actually engaging with the audience. So sure. I'm just like, "Meh." I'll just use it for writing. Yeah,
1: good for yeah. you. So there's a, uh, an important question I like to ask my guests every week. Uh, it's the forward question and I, I wanna ask both of you, um, if you had an aspiring musician come up to you and ask you, Um, specifically about vocals or songwriting or gave you for beatboxing or guitar playing, songwriting, Uh, what is the best advice you think you could give them to set them on the right path and give them some good momentum?
4: Well, with vocalism, I mean, it's, it's, if you can sing, then for me, when I was training my voice, I would do a lot of opera. Like Haley West Enra, um, Charlotte Church, you know, a lot of those just trying to warm it up and then scales. But I think the most important thing is with people in music is is songwriting, you know, because you can do a lot more with songwriting than you can with your voice. Yeah. You can do a lot with your voice, but um with songwriting, um, that's where the money is, really. Sure. So I think I think you have to identify what you want to do in music. If you just want to be a vocalist, then maybe the voice is you know for you, um, or maybe it's just doing YouTube videos, right. or maybe it's you know singing in a group, you know, strengthening it and always trying to do something with your voice with songwriting. Spend the money and go to a conference. You mm. will. Those conferences is what made Gabe and I better songwriters and understanding what people are wanting, what they're listening to, in your market, and go on Spotify and go to those Discover Weekly playlists. Yeah, those are you're gonna find what people are talking about, and um, that's my whole thing is is get involved. If you find a vocalist, ask them what they do to get that trill, or or is falsetto? You know, like how do you go from your falsetto to your head? But I mean, you can even get a you can just get a vocalist, a vocal coach to do that. You but I mean, you have
3: YouTube.
4: You have YouTube. Yeah. It's an you know, incredible
1: but, resource. I mean, yeah. if I, I had know. that learning guitar, geez, right? Well, man. we wouldn't
4: we wouldn't have made all the mistakes that we've made, Luke. This no. is so true. <laughs> no, but if you like decide, I think the most important thing is decide what you want from music. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just want to sing, then sing. Hmm. You know.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's really good because people can get scattered with their option these days. You know, they, mm-hmm. you, you can get GarageBand on a on your phone now and get down the rabbit hole.
4: And, I, and this whole like instant gratification thing, like, oh, I got another leg on my photo. You know, it's it's it just sends like one of those endorphins and it's one of those happy go-feelies that we constantly have to have validation from people mm-hmm. around us. And so I think a lot of the times with like our, our younger kiddos is that um, even I think at 22 and under is that there's this pool that if you don't have all these views, if you don't have all these likes when you first put something out, it means that you're nothing,
5: hmm. mm-hmm.
4: you know? And so we have a lot of kids giving up, not following through, even in these jobs that they're taking. It's like they, they wanna make a difference, but they don't know how. And so if they're not making a difference right away, then, they feel useless or they're walking away from these these companies like they don't pay me enough things like that you know yeah. very internal very selfish sure and it takes years years of being in a place to formulate what 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 are my gifts that I provide that I know that can make a difference in somebody else's life mm-hmm. or being in a situ, in in knowing that if you're just a receptionist it's okay you know to be a receptionist because you're learning and every step we should really um embrace the season and the moments that we're in, because you know, true humility is is knowing your role, where you're at. You know, wow.
1: yeah, that's really great because all those experience will they'll contribute to your art.
4: They do, they do. How, how do I thought like, oh, you know, like if I would have gotten what I wanted at, in the music business when I wanted it, it would have ruined me. Yep. You know, absolutely. And um, having those moments and spending eight years yeah. understanding, like the brain, how it works, how it's looking in our kids, how it looks with other people. I become a much more compassionate person. To understand like okay, they're not handling themselves right now. Even in general when you see people like get back here. You know, people have these outbursts. They're having a moment, you know, and it, and they haven't learned necessarily maybe a coping skill that's appropriate. For that moment, or for the way that they feel, and so what they've been trained to do is react. Hmm. And so when we see those people walking down the street and they're yelling, or they're or they're in the grocery store and a mom is yelling at her kid, yeah, would we would we want that embarrassment for ourselves? Would we want to be judged in that moment?
5: Yeah, none so, of us would.
4: Yeah, and so learning all of that, I become a better performer. Uh, I've been able to gauge audiences. I've been able to speak better yeah. um, to people. And just, um, it's all been learning. And so whatever place that you're in right now, regardless of if you think you're making it or not, what you're doing is valuable, Mm. you know? And we should really look at the moments that we're in and um, where we're at in our life and say, okay, I may not be where I wanna be, but what can I learn here? How can I move forward? And what can I do to better myself?
1: Yeah, that's really powerful. Gabe, yeah. I what's mean, the advice you would give? I mean, to
3: capitalize on what Myra said. I mean, I think everything she said also applies to uh, whether you want to play guitar, whether you want to play piano, whether you want to learn how to beatbox. Um, yeah, yeah, wherever you're at, don't 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 be disappointed that you're not further along because it. I'm I'm still learning, and I've been beatboxing for 13 years, and I've been playing guitar for a long time. Just keep practicing. Um, YouTube is a huge tool. Guitar, just don't don't stop playing. If you can go on the internet and type on, you know, chords. Like you can learn all the chords that are on the internet. You can learn tabs. You don't have to have someone show you anymore. Um, just practice like your life depends on it. Um, I can't remember who says, but in order to be a, a successful musician or successful in any field, they've estimated that, you know, you have to put in 10,000 hours hmm. of, of work. And I mean, and that's, that's so true. You just got to keep practicing and just keep putting in work and
4: and, and develop and develop skills for yeah. your focus too, because yeah. we're in this thing where we don't get something. We don't want to work on it. Yeah. And it's like, sure. where did, where did we get to that feeling that trying is no longer, um, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay? It's part of the process. It's yeah. yeah, it takes a long time to reach the top of your game. And we all share a really deep love for Coldplay's fix you. And that was on third th- third record? Yeah. X, Y, Z. Yeah, it's like how long did it take them to, I mean, they've got a bunch of great songs on their first two records, but this song, it reached over country lines, genre lines. I mean, people have used it all Mm -hmm. over the place. This is, I mean, exactly. You know, you've, these guys have stuck to their craft. Everyone on our playlist has stuck to their craft. I think it's, it's really good advice to not only have your right intention, like Myra said, but to put the hours in, like Gabe was saying. I mean, those two, That would be exactly my answer. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the things, be true to yourself and put in the work. Um, So before we play this great from Coldplay, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on Fix You?
4: Who hasn't cried to this song? Who hasn't, like, (laughs) what girl hasn't had her mascara smeared on her pillow? You know, for me, this song was so, this album was so influential for me because I was in a really, like, I moved away from home in Florida and I was working a job that I hated, that I thought I would love. And, um, when this album came out, I mean I had my 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 c d my one disk c d player, and this is what played it, and I would sit on the bus and I'd go to work mm-hmm. and I would just cry and just like fix you, <laughs> you know like those two words how 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 are we gonna fix you, Myra? <laughs> <laughs> how are you gonna be fixed? How can you get through this? And so this entire album just it's it's constant it's it's what I have. I literally have just a little tiny c d book and there, I, mean, I haven't bought a CD um, you know unless it's like from my friends and shows sure. that I go to I think it's been about six years Wow yeah. I know because I'm just I'm still so in love like the CDs and the music meant so much and now that that's the other thing we have so much we have so much coming at us all the time yeah I don't think people are experiencing the way that music truly yeah, was we're getting built hit to with affect quantity and
3: not quality unfortunately yeah, yeah. you know so right. yeah.
4: it's just like so when Colpes fix you or clocks, when and those Cox. when those came out, I mean, this big reason why Coldplay is Coldplay.
1: Yeah, they're they're, and that's another thing we've been talking about. They're just they're absolutely brilliant hit songs that are very timeless sounding. Uh, well, here it is. I'm going to send this out to my buddies Tyler Hobbs and Cameron Palmer. Uh, we all saw this tour together. This is "Fix You" by Coldplay here on Portland Radio Project.
2: This will guide
1: Love, 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 that song. That's Coldplay Fix You here in Portland Radio Project. They're an influence of my guests, Stereo RV. I've got Gabe and Myra Gleason in studio with us. Now we are at the point in the show, we're gonna be listening to four songs off of the Human EP and in the middle of that we'll be getting a live performance of the song, Human. Um, So let's start things off. um, Give some credit where credit is due. Where did you record this? Who are your producers and everyone Uh, involved?
4: Well, we first recorded the uh, three songs, Runaways, um who am I and free here in Portland at Fremont recording with um, a guy named Justin Calhoun and um they uh we took those three songs because you know they 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 weren't turning out the way that we had envisioned um and and maybe it was just maybe we weren't being clear with our ideas or anything like that or wasting time in the studio, I don't know, but. We um, went to New Jersey, New York area, and we worked with Water Sound Entertainment. Um, and they contract through like Sony and, and Cap- things in nice. Capital. Like, like a
1: subsidiary for them. Yeah, cool.
4: yeah, so um, I met the producer back in 2010, and he loved my voice, and he sent me to another manager, and that just didn't work out, and so I, got really angry and maybe I'll have time to explain the song on the one, but I got angry and um, I wrote this song called The One and I sent it to him and I said, you better come up with a plan B. And he said, he called me June 4th, 2012 after talking with him for a couple of years and after writing the song um, and he asked me, he's like, did you write that? And I said, yeah. And he's like, all right. He's like, that's a really great song. And he's like, and I'd like you to come and record it at my studio. But it hasn't been built yet. <laughs> <laughs> Side note: So for the next four years, I text messaged him every single month, mm-hmm. monthly check-in. Good for you. Every month, hey John, where are we with it? Where are we with it? So last summer on June 23rd, I got the text message, "Hey Myra, the studio is ready. Let's get your plane ticket." And we what was that a-
1: feeling like?
3: It wasn't even real until we pulled up at the studio. It, 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 it huh.
4: wasn't like it because you know, it just became like emotion. you know, just like, okay, I'm gonna text him and he's gonna yeah. say no, he's gonna say no. And you kind of wonder like, is you were really building anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but he was, and because he sent yeah. me a couple of pictures like this is the live room. And I was like, oh my God, I'm fangirling. <laughs> um, and so we went out there in August for three days mm. and we recorded human and recorded the one. Cause I had sent him human and who am I? And he was like, man, I think we should really record human. Cause he was only gonna do like one song.
3: Well, that's, yeah, it was only yeah. guaranteed.
4: And it guaranteed one song, which is the one. And I said, he was really feeling human. I was like, well, you think we should do human? And he says, yeah. And I was just sitting there. I said, John, you know, you fell in love with the one all those years ago. Is there any way we could do the one?
3: And we'd already used two days of recording time for human two days. Okay. And yeah. so he called the piano tuner immediately for the next well, morning. What he
4: did is he piano. said, he's like, he's like, well, he's like, it's on the piano. He's like, let's see what it sounds like. He did it. And he had remembered our song all those years ago, played it. And then our co-producer Stan Chan came in and was like, no, you know, you arrange it this way, you arrange it that way. And that's how we have the one. And that's how we have human. And then what they did is they completely reproduced remixed everything with our other three songs and mastered everything. Oh, mastered wow. Everything. Um,
1: it sounds incredible.
4: It's it, such a great EP. It was a complete blessing. Yeah. It was a complete like to have that opportunity and experience to go into like a top of the notch studio mm-hmm. and have it, you know, and he would tell me, he's like, you oh, know, my doors cost $70,000, his doors, <sighs> the soundproofing doors. Yeah. And I was like, you could have had a Porsche. He's like, I know, <laughs> you know, but that's, you know, that's
1: disposable, yeah. like those doors are going to help create art.
4: Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, um, I don't know, just, you know, when we walked in there, we, uh, were, just, we were working yeah. as a family.
3: Yeah, It sure. was an instant yeah. click,
4: instant click, wow. then, you know, the co-producer stand and we all just, and it was from that, that we all made it and them saying, you know, like, because we care about you, you know, this is why we want to, we want to help you in all these ways. Hmm you know they
1: they believe in you and uh, yeah yeah, we'll start it with there then Uh, The One by Stereo RV this is would you say the one that kicked it off
4: it it was and this song was written all about um, actually literally being called fat what? Yeah, um, I went, when he sent me to the, the, music, the music person um, in New York, I went to 4th and Madison, went up to his nice little high rise office. He sat down on the couch, closed his eyes, and he asked me to sing a song. And when he opened them, he said, um, can you get down to Carrie Underwood size two?
1: Oh my gosh. And, yeah,
4: and then he asked if I could come up with $20,000, he'd go to Nashville, I'd get a photo shoot, I would live, get a song written, and he'd make me a star. And then after eight months, I kinda get down to his standards. And uh, and I,
1: hence why you got upset.
4: Yeah, and this is where I just sat down at the, at the piano and I was just like, man, I am worth more than $20,000 and I'm definitely worth more than a Carrie Underwood size two. Good for you. So this is The One.
1: I like this song even more now. Uh, we are starting, <laughs> headed into the EP. This is off of uh, the human EP, Stereo RV with The One.
0: be anyone, than who you are right now. You don't have to say anything to blend into the crowd. You are the lonely one, the one who leads the way. You are the person that'll make a difference today. You're the one who can climb a mountain to a battle and win you're the one who can stand next to the tallest tree and never feel the wind because the oceans might be raging and the storms will come but just stand on this earth like a soldier you are you are the one you are
1: I'm in studio with Stereo RV and we are listening to their EP. That was Who Am I. Before the break, we were talking about the one. So tell us the story behind Who Am I. That's another really powerful song. And I was just complimenting your producers and your choice to keep that uh, dynamically lower than. I mean, that song could have got really huge, but it keeps it intimate.
4: Yeah, well, with Who Am I, um, uh, on the other side of skills training, we have a program called P-180. And it's usually kiddos who have come from like prison or juvenile detention, and they've got some years on their head. Like Some have like 40 years on their head, and if they don't use this program to change their behavior around, then they're gonna go right back to prison, and wow. they're gonna get charged with that. So um, their they're pro, they're probation officers put them into our program. Um, we have a contract and things like that, and usually when I'm going in there, I mean, a lot of them are just these, these boys, and they're just, you know, they're trying to be men. They don't know how to be men. A lot of them come from gangs. Um, broken families and so they have a chip on their shoulder and they wanna be hard because they're with another bunch of guys, they don't wanna show their true colors. Sure. Um, and so I'll usually come and be like, hey man, where you from? And uh, one incident was we had a kiddo that was in there and I said, hey, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Astoria. And predominantly what I have to tell people when we're on tour, Oregon beaches, Northwest beaches are predominantly, we're poor. You know, we have we're poverty stricken. Um, communities on our beach towns. I mean, they're not lavish.
1: No, they're not coastal resorts.
4: They're not at all. I mean, Cannon Beach is a coastal resort, but I think that's it. Yeah, but
1: just down the street, Seaside is stricken with poverty.
4: Stricken with poverty, even though everybody goes there for the tourism, Mm -hmm. you know? And so as we both know, like pregnancy, alcoholism, drugs, rampant on our beach, coastal towns. And so... Um, In my head, I was like, oh man, so you're just doing a bunch of drugs, huh? (laughs) And he was like, no, he's like, people do that, but I don't, I have family issues. And I was like, wow, you know, here I am assuming the worst of the kids that I've been working with. Hmm. And I think a part of that was, for the most part, I think a lot of us are like that, you know? Even with our family and our friends, we still assume the worst, we still make fun of them, we still, have these inhibitions that we can say what we wanna say and maybe there's not a lot of consequences for our behavior and things like that. And so it really just punched me in the face and be like, wow, I just judged this kid hmm. based on where he came from. And how many of us have judged people and um, that are trying to get away from their past that are not identified by their past anymore? And so this song is called Who Am I? Yeah, well, that song was
1: yeah it's so good <laughs> I, I love too the way they captured your vocals in the especially in headphones if you haven't heard it like this whole EP is produced and recorded really well but uh It's nice to be surrounded by your lovely voice, Myra. Oh, why thank you. (laughs) So speaking of which, you guys are going to play the title track right now. We're going to have a live in-studio performance, a stripped down version of Human. Um, Any, uh, I mean, the song speaks for itself. Could you tell our listeners about the origin of the track?
4: Um, human came from obviously the work that I do with um, the kids in the DHS foster care system but more importantly a lot of them would come to like they get in my car when I pick them up from school or for their sessions and there's just this feeling of inadequacy there's this feeling that they um they don't fit in and they're never gonna fit in you know their peers have families they're um, and they're run by ten people their caseworker maybe they have a probation um, their casas all of it and so when you look at their little circle of people they don't have anyone that they're really close to and they don't have anybody that they're um that isn't really being paid to be with them
1: mm, i see
4: you know so if all of your family was being paid to be with you would you really think that they had a valued interest in you
1: right yeah they're part of the program yeah yeah wow that's humbling to think of
4: so when it came to writing human i wanted to get down to what is it that makes us that And what is a way that I can shine a light on them as people, but also to give them a song that can be their own anthem. Like through it all, no matter what I've been going through, no matter what I am going through, I'm human down at the core. And I think we all need to be reminded that we're gonna make mistakes and we're probably gonna, maybe we're gonna smash somebody's laptop or we're gonna punch somebody in anger. You know, you can't change the action, but what you can do is change yourself afterwards Hmm. and have a little bit more grace that I am human. I'm going to make mistakes. And um, that's that's the basis of it.
1: Acceptance. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the airwaves are all yours. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Stereo RV live on Sounds of PDX.
0: Show me just where my best has been I've got words that I take
1: inappropriate we don't have more than one people to (laughs) applaud for you gosh that was beautiful (laughs) definitely one of my favorite in-studio performances that was incredible gosh amazing Uh, we are going to let you rest your voice and put your instruments down moving on in the playlist we're gonna listen to runaways and then come back and say good evening with stereo rv
0: We go freely Don't need no one Except the lost and the needy We have more fun with Jack and Mary We survive while we have a good time Up on the tracks Where the holy rollers ride Past the graveyard Is where the dead bones lie Only prayer is to stay alive Across to the other side Ooh. will decide our fate, ooh we don't run away, ooh. ooh they can make a stay. ooh we have a choice to make, we'll decide down.
1: Tonight with my special guest, Stereo RV. That was another track called "Runaways." What's the uh, story behind that one? That's a nice boombastic track.
4: Um, yeah, I think I think with "Runaways," you know, you have all these like, "Who am I?" Um, "Human," the one, you know, these these ones that these songs that make you think. And with "Runaways," I really wanted to get to the heart of like, there's a rebelliousness in all of us. And I think so with the kiddos, like a lot of them are in treatment programs and they hate it, they hate it, they absolutely hate it. You know, because our healthy risk for us growing up was going over to our friend's house and spending the night. You know, a healthy risk for them, it's drugs, alcohol, and running away. And they they just hate, they hate where they are. And a lot of them go through several treatment programs um, before they finally realize like, oh, it's not really working if I'm playing the victim role all the time. You know, but that's what they've been taught. They have survival skills. They've been taught they have to manipulate their way through the system. Sure. And is it healthy? No. And does it create um, bad behaviors in the future? Yeah, it does, totally. Um, And so Runaways was just kind of my- Ode. My ode to their rebelliousness. Mm. And saying, you know what? Because a lot of them are walking the tracks when they run away. Um, They do that with their friends and they usually leave with nothing on their back. And we usually get them to come back because but because they leave with nothing, they leave with nothing. <laughs> you know, so Resources. they're not, yeah, exactly. And they're just, they realize, like, I don't want to be out, I don't want to be homeless. And they come back a little bit, like, okay, I hate this program, but it's a bed,
1: right? Yeah, and eventually, hopefully, it can mold them into what you're trying to get them to. Um, it yeah. has just been, we were talking before the show, um, about how fast the two hours go by and this is the exact example it has been a blast having you all in here um before we play um free uh which is another one of my favorites off of the ep for sure i would like you all to be able to say your goodbyes or thank yous to anyone you would like and then uh, i'll have you introduce a song for us
4: um we're saying goodbye to all of you all four of you who tuned in tonight yes I'm thank kidding. you all <laughs> i'm kidding um Foster, you know, it's it's Foster Care Awareness Month, and so we just want to make sure that you guys understand the silent crisis that's behind our doors, and um, to maybe uh, receive a little bit more education about what's going on and and our school system and our people and our drug culture here in Portland, mm-hmm. and um, the whole meaning behind this is, uh, you know, people say, um, why is the foster care system so? so big and why are why are there so many children entering in it? and it's because um one we have a lot of broken families and but two um in order to to really make a difference you have to change people and you have to change their hearts and that's a lot easier said than done because people have to be wanting to change and there's a lot of us stubborn out there me included <laughs> um but i think um for those that want to, if you guys have twenty dollars to spend to put a little box together and to put it to research uh, your local DHs offices to do that, if you want to get involved with wondering who are these kids, every child um, does that, you can volunteer through them, but also you can send me an email at stereo Rvmusic at gmail Um, I would love to um, discuss ideas with you all about um, making our community and our people and surrounding our kids with love and care and knowing that there's people out there that wanna make a difference. So if you make birdhouses, if you fix a bike, if you know somebody who owns a business that can give our older youth um, tangible interview skills, that's helpful, help them count money. A lot of our kiddos don't know how to count money back. Um, Anything that everybody has something that they can do to contribute. Mm -hmm. And so I want people to start thinking out of the box, okay here's this issue, we have a huge issue in Oregon, we have a very high uh, foster care rate and we have a very high drug culture. And, um, you know, people say that those things don't go hand in hand, but when we're working with our families, that's a big common factor on why our kids are in DHS and foster care. So, if you wanna rally around, um, we want you to rally around um, the kiddos and just, you can just send us an email or Embrace Oregon, every child, you can look at their websites, Um, you can look at our websites, dairyrv.com. We um, have videos out there right now and download our album and share it because nothing will happen without you guys um, sharing and just saying, hey, I heard them and to your friends and saying, here's the EP, it's free to download. so we can't do it without our community, and we can't do it without support. And I think it takes a village to raise a child, and it takes a village to raise a musician. So,
3: well said,
5: yeah. <laughs> yeah. well said,
3: <laughs> Gabe. So. Any parting thoughts? Everything Myra just said. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we want to thank everyone who listened. We want to thank you for having us. Oh, of course. We've had a oh, fantastic totally. And time. Mike
4: Burling for. Yeah for uh introducing us to you yeah and, um for him yeah. coming to the show i
1: will forever yeah. be grateful for him sending me that email with the human single on it i am definitely a fan and it's been long overdue i'm glad we finally got you on here uh so definitely uh follow sounds of pdx and portland radio project on facebook for the latest in the local music scene and just a side note this thursday from 12 to 2 i'm starting my daytime program the sounds of pdx listening party featuring local live music and you will be able to hear stereo rv there this thursday and this is a single off of their EP. This is free. Once again, have a good night and be good to each other.
0: Gravity, gravity is pulling me down, downtown where the losers and the sinners hang out. All the lost souls who don't want to be found. Been coming here for a while now Secretly I've made it my out The one place they can't put me down Cause these secrets, they have become my demons I try to shake the reasons My knees fall to the ground, the ground. My life, my life is on repeat It's all I have these days I wanna turn That we do in life's a test when we fail It's hard to clean up the mess We don't like bruises when we fall down, down. Can't tell you how long it took me to Find out that I had some grown-up to do All these years I was hanging out, out All these secrets, they have become my demons I try to shake the reasons My knees fall to the ground Life is on repeat, it's all I am.